This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Last month, Twitter suffered its biggest hack ever when major accounts across the site were taken over. Our colleague Bob McMillan covers cybersecurity. He first picked up on the attack when he saw some strange tweets. I think it was Elon Musk's account was the first one that I noticed. He started promoting this weird Bitcoin scam where he would tweet out messages saying, hey, I'm doing a special Bitcoin promotion. Send me some Bitcoin and I will double your money. And everyone thought, wow, Elon Musk has been hacked. And then suddenly Joe Biden's account was doing it. Barack Obama's account was doing it. Michael Bloomberg's account was doing it. We realized that something was completely out of control. Someone had access to seemingly every high-profile account on Twitter. And they were using that awesome power to try and trick people into sending them cryptocurrency. To Bob, something about this just seemed really odd. So it had this weird combination of astoundingly wide scope and bizarrely low-tech kind of ask at the end of the day. It reminded me a little bit of Austin Powers, you know, with the, (laughs) we want one million dollars, you know? (laughs) It's like, you've taken over all of these amazingly important accounts and you're asking like for a crazy Bitcoin scam. It's almost like as if some... 17-year-old kid was, like, thinking, what is the best way I could use this? According to prosecutors, that's exactly what was going on. They say the person with access to the mouthpieces of some of the most powerful people in the world was 17-year-old Graham Clark. And the key component of his hack, it wasn't some fancy bit of code or technology. Prosecutors say the attack hinged on a telephone call. I'm hard-pressed to think of a case of this stature where so much of the the hack really hinged on somebody calling someone up and pretending to be somebody they were not. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, August 5th. Coming up on the show... How a phone call cracked Twitter. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. 
With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Can you tell me about this community that's at the center of this hack? It all goes back to video games. Bob says the roots of this Twitter hack go back to a prank that video gamers have been pulling on each other for years, where they steal each other's gaming logins. This kind of account takeover was seen as the ultimate own. You're in a competitive situation. You're playing a video game against people. You want to really beat them. You know, think outside the box. What's the best way to conquer somebody in an online video game? Take over their account, like completely. The way gamers would get into each other's accounts was so low-tech that it was hardly a hack at all. They'd call customer support for the gaming consoles, posing as the person whose account they wanted to take over. You call up Sony or you, you call up Microsoft and you say, hey, I've forgotten my password, I've locked myself out of the account, I really am this person. And they might ask you a few questions, but you've prepared ahead of time so you know, you know what their address, you know, you know the things that you need to know in order to convince them that you are the person you're pretending to be. So you call them up, you pretend to be that person, they say, okay, we're going to send you an email now, you can reset your account. I see. And then bang, you're in charge of the account. And that can actually work? Yeah. So one of the things you have to remember about the people that do this is a lot of them are teenagers with a lot of time on their hands. And they will call up user support at these companies over and over and over again until they master the steps. It's really very much like playing a video game. You know, when you're on a level and you know you have to do a bunch of steps to clear that level and get to the next one. Well, They'll call tech support, they'll try one series of answers to questions, and when they get stopped, they'll be like, okay, well, I need to get the answer to that, I need that information. And eventually they learn the right sequence of responses to give to the user support people in order to get what they need. Bob says these attacks don't just happen on the phone. They can happen over email, too, or in online chats with customer support. Cybersecurity experts call it a social engineering hack. At its heart, social engineering is pretending to be somebody you're not to trick somebody into doing something they're not supposed to do. It's like a con. It's sort of like the oldest hack that exists, just tricking somebody. Yeah. It reminds me of that catch-me-if-you-can kind of con game. These social engineering hacks might have started as a way for gamers to prank each other, but it didn't end there. Because, of course, gamers and hackers can use social engineering techniques to take over all kinds of accounts, including social media accounts. And there's one particular kind of social media account that some of these hackers especially love taking over. Social media account names or handles that are really short. The most sought after of these handles are very simple one-word handles, or, or even better, one-letter or one-number handle, what they call an OG name. OG meaning like original gangster? Yeah, original gangster. That means you were around when the service was started. You were cool enough and prescient enough to register the coolest name on that service. Mm-hmm. You could get a name before somebody else took it. Yeah, exactly. So, so on Twitter, it would be something like at Bob. Right. That would be a very cool name to have. That would be very cool for someone, especially for someone named Bob. <laughs> why? Why are handles like that so coveted? Why? Why are they valuable? 
Well, it really is just a geeky, cool factor thing. And these domains on Twitter, they go for a lot of money. I mean, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Bob says if you aren't savvy enough to take over an OG name yourself, you can just buy one off a hacker. Whole digital marketplaces have popped up where people buy and sell these OG names. One of them was a site called OGusers.com. Bob visited it recently. You could put a post on the forum and say, like, I have Twitter names for sale. And there were literally, like, hundreds of posts of people offering to sell these OG names. And the alleged hacker behind Twitter's massive breach, he came from this community. In fact, OGusers.com would later play a central role in the hack. The site didn't immediately comment for the story. Tell me about this alleged Twitter hacker, Graham Clark. Graham Clark, yeah. There are a couple of things we know about him from our own reporting and from talking to people who have investigated his online activities. So he's a 17-year-old from Tampa who basically lives for cryptocurrency. We know he likes to play video games, but his true passion is cryptocurrency. When did he start to allegedly target Twitter and why? Well, we don't know why. I mean, I guess it was to run this amazing Bitcoin scam, but he's alleged to have started the operation on May 3rd. May. That's about two and a half months before the hack became public. Bob says the hack probably required that lead time because of how ambitious it was. This wasn't a simple takeover of a single Twitter account. Prosecutors say Clark's hack involved gaining access to Twitter's internal systems, and with it, the ability to control apparently any account. And getting that access took a few steps, some of them pretty technical. They included setting up a a phishing page. They included what's called SIM swapping, taking over somebody's phone number. But according to prosecutors, when they sort of had to describe how he broke in, they said the way he got in was he called someone up at Twitter pretending to be tech support and tricked them into giving him the keys. A phone call, social engineering, that was the key to this hack. We don't know exactly what happened on the Twitter call, but this kind of social engineering hack where the hacker pretends to be your friendly company IT guy, it's pretty common. Bob recently got his hands on a recording of one of these calls where you can hear a hacker in action. That was obtained from a hacker who passed it on to a hacker who passed it on to a source who gave it to me. So the provenance of it is murky. However, it does illustrate how social engineering works pretty well. Um, Hi, Lauren. Uh, Are you currently available right now? This is the hacker's side of the call. He's talking to a person who seems to be a branch employee for a telecommunications company. And he's pretending to be her colleague from IT. Oh, I already uh, confirmed with the person earlier on. My name is David. I'm just calling from IT. Just need to make sure... Again, this isn't a recording of the Twitter hack, but it is a recording of a similar type of scam, where the hacker's goal is to get the employee's username and password to the company's network. The hacker tries to get the worker there to connect to the remote computer system and then intentionally allows the, the worker to fail at doing this and finally says, look, just give me your, your password and, and I'll just double check everything here. You tried to log into Kronos and it was un- yes. unsuccessful? Let me have a look. Um, can you state your employee ID so I can look this up real quick? Um, and so you can hear the con playing out. That The end result is... I want your password, but it's done in a way like he doesn't call up and just say, I need your password, right? It's, it's more subtle than that. Let me try. Can you state your Citrix password so I can go ahead and try it? 
006. He really does sort of have that kind of like weary sort of I'll help you tone. He's really sort yeah. of creating a narrative, <laughs> a total distraction. It's something to hear. When you actually hear it happen, it creates sort of an aha moment where you're like, okay, I get it now. Like just the audio of that really helped me understand how the con worked. We don't know how the alleged call between Clark and the Twitter employee went down. But by the time the multi-pronged attack was over, it had penetrated Twitter's user services software. This is where the company can initiate password resets for accounts on the site. It was an incredible amount of power. And to monetize it, Clark reached out to a few OGs. That's after the break. Graham Clark's alleged hack gave him incredible access to Twitter. But prosecutors say his first move to turn that access into money wasn't terribly ambitious. They say he started selling stolen Twitter handles on OGusers.com. A researcher who's tracked this group of hackers says these were the kinds of deals Clark had been doing for a while. But he didn't have the best reputation. He was sort of notorious for offering to sell these names and taking the money and then never coming through on the deal. This researcher told Bob that Clark had likely scammed too many people to sell anything on his own. So he turned to two middlemen to help broker his deals. Their usernames were ever so anxious and LOL. Anxious is Mason Shepard, a 19-year-old from Bognor Regis in the UK. He describes himself as a lover of video games, first-person shooter video games, who lives with his mom in this beach town. LOL was one of Mason Shepard's associates. Shepard told Bob that Clark had approached them with a business opportunity. He told them that he was a Twitter representative, that he worked for Twitter, and that he could um, facilitate some account transfers. If someone wanted a particular Twitter account, a particular handle, Shepard says Clark offered to get it for them. For the right price, of course. What did Shepard and LOL make of his offer? Well, they were skeptical, uh, but Mason Shepard asked Clark to take over a Twitter account called At Anxious, which Shepard didn't own. And uh, he said Clark did it. And so then he became convinced that this, this was a viable product. And so then the two of them posted to OG users and they said, hey, we can do Twitter accounts for you if you have some requests. Give us some money and we'll make it happen. And what, what were some of the handles that prosecutors say Clark and these middlemen sold? At L, at Bitch, at W, at Dark was another one. You know, they were making $500. I think a couple of them went for as much as $10,000. You know, they were doing okay. And then that's when everything went sideways. Anxious, a.k.a. Mason Shepard, told Bob that after doing a few sales, he went to bed. And that's when prosecutors say Clark went big. Allegedly, he started taking over the handles of very big, high-profile Twitter personas. Elon Musk, Joe Biden, Barack Obama. And he posted similar messages from each account. One version went, quote, All Bitcoin sent to my address below will be sent back doubled. If you send me $1,000, I will send back 2000 end quote. If that doesn't sound like Barack Obama to you, you're not alone. Prosecutors say only about 400 people fell for the scam. So what does Twitter do when they realize that these accounts are being taken over? 
Well, Twitter reacted by stopping the ride. They just froze everything because clearly they didn't know who was hacked and who wasn't. They stopped blue checkmark users from tweeting. They stopped people who reset their passwords from even accessing their accounts. They stopped people from being able to download data. And what about law enforcement? Well, the authorities pile on. We get the FBI investigating. We get the local authorities. I mean, everybody starts going after this. There's questions of national security here, right? President Trump uses Twitter as his personal press service. So the idea of somebody taking over Twitter is something that I think a lot of people took very seriously. I mean, it's pretty remarkable to have arrests just weeks after the crime was committed. Twitter says it appreciates the, quote, swift actions of law enforcement after the arrest today of 17-year-old Tampa resident Graham Ivan Clark. He is being- Clark was arrested on Friday, July 31st. They charged Mr. Clark and the two alleged middlemen all at the same time, essentially with this crime. Clark pleaded not guilty. Lawyers for Mason Shepard and the other alleged middleman didn't comment for the story. The criminal complaint doesn't say how authorities zeroed in on Clark. But Bob says in a multi-part hack like this, with web page spoofing, Bitcoin payments, and social engineering, there's a lot of potential breadcrumbs for law enforcement to pick up on. What has Twitter said since about this whole hack? Well, they've said that they are sorry about it, that they are investigating it, that they actually had controls internally over all this stuff. It wasn't like you just called up tech support and just said, hey, hey, I'm Mr. Uh, IT guy, let me in. And they were like, it's more complicated than a simple social engineering only attack. But they haven't spelled out the steps. And I guess there are two things that I would like to know about the attack from Twitter. One is exactly what were the steps to break in and what have they done to stop that from ever happening again? And then the other thing is, to what extent was the fact that everybody was working from home an uh, enabling factor in this attack? Is there something people need to know about having your workforces all be remote and a vulnerability to social engineering? Well, it is really terrifying to think that a 17-year-old could carry out a hack in this way and start tweeting from the accounts of politicians, especially in an election year. It's completely terrifying. They could have caused a geopolitical situation They could have moved markets. They had access to Apple's Twitter account. They could have announced, we have a surprise iPhone coming out and watched the stock shoot up or or something like that. Yes, the short selling and, and market manipulation opportunities were incredible. But none of that happened. I mean, at the end of the day, some accounts were taken over and some people lost money, but this hack didn't actually cause that much harm. I mean, we we got off lucky on this one, right? This is like an old story in security, right? Like the early internet worms and the early internet hackers were just kids trying to have fun. And then suddenly criminals trying to make money were using these techniques. So there's like a life cycle of hacking that happens and things that start as these kind of innocuous activities mature. And we're seeing that. And I guess the reason we really need to pay attention to this is because if it goes to the next level, if nation states start like hiring social engineers to take over accounts and flooding the zone with disinformation, it could be really bad. 
That's all for today, Wednesday, August 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Yuram Choi. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.